G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. I was born in Wakefield in the Riverland on the Murray River. So uh, we grew up there until I was about 21 and then we moved to the Northern Territory. All right. And did you have a religious upbringing at all? Mum was a Christian. She was in the uh, Uniting Church and Dad really wasn't. So we got to go to Sunday school, but... uh, after that, we didn't really have much involvement until I was in my teenage years. And tell us about your faith journey. How did you come to Christ? Well, I think I got born again at the Uniting Church Sunday School because I remember a clear day when I was a young fella uh, giving my heart to Jesus. And uh, at that time, I gave my heart. But it wasn't until about 17 that I went to a crusade and um, I went out the front and I gave my life at that point. And I knew from that point that I had to serve him. For the rest of my life. Awesome. And who was the crusade? Who, who preached? Uh, I think it was Al Fury. Okay, there you go. And and was there a big change in your life after that night? Oh yeah, massive. I was um, I was probably smoking a bit of grass and drinking and carrying on like a teenager, and completely turned around after that point. So mm. I became very passionate about serving Jesus, mate. Awesome. And tell us about your, uh, what did you do after school? Did you go to uni or work or what did you do? No, well, I you know, I always struggled with being dyslexic, so I couldn't really read when I left school. Um, when I got born again, I, you know, God spoke to me and said, you're going to be a preacher. And I'm like, how am I going to be a preacher, Lord? I can't even read. And over about 12 months, I just read red letters in the Bible. Couldn't go to sleep at night until I at least read half an hour. Didn't matter if I got home at 3 o'clock in the morning. I could not sleep unless I read. And uh, after about a year, I could read fluently enough that I could preach quite well. Wow. So that's an exciting journey. And so, you got into ministry straight away? Or? Uh, yeah, pretty much into youth ministry since I was born again uh, in the music team and just got really active in church life. Loved, it, loved the journey, loved the, being connected to people and... You know, it's a complete turnaround in where I was going. So, mm. yeah, I was very excited about serving Jesus. Still am. And tell us how you transition into being a pastor. Uh, so I I never actually went to Bible college. Um, we were in the Northern Territory, and God really began to challenge me that um, I should start a church in Catherine. And... Um, you know, I was pretty overwhelmed with that. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, how am I? You know, who am I to do all this sort of thing? So, you know, I prayed and asked for about three signs. I was pretty young in the Lord then. I'm going, I need about three signs. And all the three signs came true. And um, and I went, oh, well, I don't have a choice. So we planted our first church in Catherine uh, in the early to mid-90s. Uh, and we were blessed to get it up to in a short amount of time. I think we got up to about 20, 25 people. Uh, and there was another church in the town and it was run by an awesome Aboriginal guy called Bill Roses. And we noticed after a little while that there was becoming a label in the church because 
become their church was labelled the black church and our church was labelled the white church and we sort of decided to amalgamate the two churches to prevent that from happening and then we worked together uh, probably for three or four years uh, in the town together mm-hmm. and um, and then God called us down to Victoria to plant a church in Kilmore okay. which we did for about 14 years so we, Kilmore was where the big bushfire started so we we're very active Wow. During that period, running our recovery centres and air centres. Yep. So, awesome, mate. Well, I heard you speaking recently at the uh, Kingdom Business Summit uh, run by Wes Hone in Brisbane, and you, you shared that you were a pastor for 14 years or so, and you said, I love what you said because uh, I'm a pastor, you know, so I can relate to what you were saying. You were saying, you know, you'd say to someone, all right, don't do this, and then you'd see them a week later and they'd be in all sorts of trouble. And yep. you'd say, well, did you stop doing the thing I told you to stop doing? <laughs> say no, and you'd be hitting your head against a brick wall. It's hard work being a pastor, yep. eh, mate? Oh, yeah, it was hard work. Like I, One of the things I used to uh, pray about regularly is, Lord, when I'm doing business, because I was running a business on the side to fund the church party, I said, when I do business, Lord, it seems to fly pretty well, and I have to work hard. Like We did a good job pastoring. But that was hard, hard work for me. It just didn't flow. Um, It it just didn't trigger the gift sets that I had really well. But we worked really hard and we blessed a lot of people. Um, But some of those things, because I'm a fairly fairly strong believer, they've got to be able to read and see what I'm producing and make sure that we're achieving our goals and everything. And that area that I was joking about at the conference was an area where you you still got to sow in, you still got to love folks. That it's like, oh, really? If you just do these things, you'll get the breakthrough. <laughs> they wanted me just to listen and not actually them listening to see how we're going to repair the the flat spots in their lives. So eventually, I was praying because God gave us a massive vision. So we do a lot of stuff in India, and you know, got a real heart for the Pacific nations and Timor Leste, PNG. And I would I would be standing in our church. By that time, it was probably around when they eighty odd folk. And we've got all these projects that we want to do in India. And it just really dawned on me that, Lord, these are really, really faithful, generous people. But the vision that you've given us is way too big for these people to fund on their own. And I don't want to keep saying there's another project, there's another project. So, Father, I need a business that will produce millions for the kingdom. And I started praying that. And we're doing a small business in the building trade. And I thought, oh, that's probably the one who's going to grow up to be strong and I can keep pastoring. And eventually, after about four years, I was on my prayer hill, and God spoke to me really clearly. He said, Mitchell, I want you to go and start a kingdom business, and I want you to go back to the Northern Territory, take your inheritance, and 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 go and take over your dad's farm, which was a small portion of what we've got now. And then, um, so we we went, oh, that's pretty overwhelming. I've got to be pastoring for the rest of my life. But everything seemed to fall in place, and we got up here, and we, we ended up buying the property and the property behind um, with no money because I've been pastoring for such a long time. I just got here in fact, like you sent me, Lord, I'm on the property. What are you going to do? So eventually the bank came and said, which is absolutely amazing. They said, we'll fund everything you need to get into this property. So in farming, it's usually 50% deposit. So Mm. we were pretty amazed at what God was doing to get us into farming. So mm. we're well on the journey to get that business that will fund the mission's heart. But, you know, we're also very... I've got four 
children, three boys that have agreed to come back on the farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're very focused on a generational mission. Mm. So we're all we're all busy working out how we're going to transition this from the generation that God's called me to get it up and going and get the, the foundation in place to where they can run strong because they're going to be the ones that actually have to deal with all the money, I think. Mm. And... The kingdom. And just to uh, to paint a picture, so you're out in Catherine. I can hear you there at the moment. I can hear the birds in the background. You're out on the farm right now. And um, at, when I heard you speak recently, you you put up a picture of the the beautiful mangoes. Uh, I th- I think they're yeah. going to be available in Australia. T- tell us about these mangoes. Yeah, so I was in prayer, and I'm going, Lord, you know, we want to do this program where we can grow mangoes for months and instead of three weeks a year for harvesting. And he really challenged me, we've got to get our own variety to um, to be able to do a scheme where we can have five orchards and just keep harvesting each orchard as they ripen to get us to harvest for five months. So I went, there's an old guy here called Ken Rayner and he's, he's dedicated his life to developing mango varieties. So I thought he's the only one I know that makes varieties. So I went out and saw him and said, hey, Ken, where's my variety? And he goes, oh, do you want one? I said, yeah. So he goes, well, I haven't got anything at the moment. And about uh, 12 months later, he rang me and said, you still want a variety? I said, yeah, I'd love to. He says, you better come and have a look at this one. And the one you saw on the screen at the conference was, it's just an absolutely amazing piece of fruit. It tastes amazing. It looks amazing. It, it doesn't sat burn, which is a thing with mangoes. And you know, it's got a lot of things going for it. It stores amazingly. So we're really busy working with some uh, Aboriginal corporations to develop properties on their land so that they can um, after about 25 years they can take them over and have some assets for themselves and we're also looking at some other properties up in the Darwin region so that we can start planting uh, every 300 k's down the territory to be able to harvest continuously for about five months Mm, which will really be a blessing for our seasonal workers because they can come here and work solidly every year probably six, seven months and then go home and build their houses and do what they need to do with the funding that they've, they've accrued while they're working here. So, All I can think about is taste-testing one of those mangoes now. So where, where do you get them? <laughs> <laughs> there's only actually seven trees in production in the world at the moment. So there's, there's not a uh, not a real strong resource. And we're really blessed at the conference because uh, Compassion, we did an auction for Compassion and we actually got to sell the first ever boxes of this mango uh, were sold at an auction to go and support kids in Africa through compassion. So I thought that was an awesome uh, demonstration that, Lord, this is your mango and the first fruit goes to you wow. for missions work, which excites me. And I know you also, uh, so they'll be available at, at uh, Woolworths, is that right? Yeah, but probably Australia-wide, yeah. Australia-wide, yeah. It'll so be that- about five, five or six years before we start seeing them around the place because it takes seven years to get into full production. Right, okay. So that's the Catherine Gold Mango. I know you also do honey, you do desert melons, and uh, you you also support missions a lot. Uh, so, yeah. but let's let's just talk a bit about. Uh, there was a time where you really needed some rain, and uh, you oh, shared yeah. the story about how the Lord provided. Tell us that story. Yeah, so I'm pretty strong. Like the the farm's called King's Farms because it's his farm. I'm just the CEO of his business. So um, we were at a place and I was a bit worn out and it was a bit tired and we had to have some rain for our hay crop. And I walked out of the house and 
just out in the garden. I said, Lord, I'm really tired, mate. Um, you know, this is your farm. You know it needs rain. I'm going to bed. So I went in the house and I'm just sitting back, chillaxing. And uh, I see these flashes coming around the curtains. Uh, and I pulled up the radar because our property's right next to where the radar's at. And here's this tiny little storm coming straight at our property. It it came in, it, uh, it rained, gives about 25 mil, and then went past, got past our property and actually it just dissolved. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, you know sometimes this faith thing is just trust and not not push. And um, next morning I wake up and I'm listening, listening to the ABC and they, a report on the newspaper, on the news was, uh, the Bureau of Meteorology is amazed. There's dry air throughout the whole territory, but for some reason there was one little storm <laughs> just outside of Catherine in the Northern Territory, and I couldn't understand why. <laughs> and I'm going, wow, Lord, that's awesome. So, Wonderful. We've had so many miracles on this farm. It's, it's just astounding. So, and I was also inspired to hear you share that you consider yourself a kingdom investor. Like You see a ministry that you see is multiplying, and you want to sow into yep. it. Uh, tell us about your heart for that. Yeah, so I fully understood the the church because uh, I passed for such a long time of tithing. I understood about sowing and giving. But once I got into this level of um, of investing into the kingdom, I, God really challenged me that, Mitchell, you're not a giver, you're an investor. And the difference between a giver and an investor is because I'm a businessman, I understand that if I'm going to put some money into something, I need the result that we need, that we're believing to have. So if I'm going to plant mangoes, I have to get a result. Otherwise the bank goes, hang on a second, you've got no money. Uh, You're out of here. So God challenged me that I need to be as responsible with the funding that we're creating in missions to get the right outcomes. um, So that if I'm sowing into something, I need to, uh, to understand that I've got to support people to the point where they're successful. So I invest into them. So we invest into church planters through India and and then we support them for two or three years and, and get them to a place where they can support themselves. So I'm investing into that, uh, that ground right at the front line. So the mission statement for our business is we're creating a supply line to the front line. So our heart is to see the kingdom of God advance we're going to invest into that soil, and then we also back it up by making sure that the programs are in place to support those people that they're successful. Well, it's an inspirational story, and uh, I have chatted to uh, Paul McLaughlin, who grows watermelons out that way. You guys yeah. have to know each other, right? Yes, we do. We're mates. <laughs> an amazing <laughs> man. hundred kilometres away from us, but that's, you know, there's not that many <laughs> watermelon growers in the territory. Yeah. So, uh and, and have you had anything to do with the, the big forgiveness cross at Memory Mountain? Have you had much to do with that? No, I haven't. You heard about it? And Paul keeps asking me, yeah. yeah it's good, good to see that they've had uh, Ken Duncan, Ray Martin out there, the machine gun yep. preacher, a whole bunch of guys have been out there. Yep. And uh, it's yeah, really there last week. Yeah. It's bringing a message of forgiveness and reconciliation with the, the Aboriginal people there as well. And it's a powerful thing. We, we need to pray for revival in Central Australia, hey? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, desperately need it. So you see a lot of... God's pretty awesome, though. When things get a bit sketchy, God moves. You know, yep. and we've had a lot of stuff in the media about what's happening in the territory, and I fully expect him to be to start to move. And there are pockets around it. 
God's really beginning to touch people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's exciting. So sometimes we talk about the doom and gloom a lot. But I think as Christians, we just really got to get in and say, Lord, look what's happening here. And, and we really need your hand because all the smartest minds can't come up with answers for this stuff. It's only him, I think. Yeah. And, you know, just so people get an idea of the scale of your business. So I think I heard you say your company in the next 30 years will be worth about $4 billion. Is that right? Uh, the project that we're doing uh, will should turn over about $4 billion in revenue over that amount of time. So wow. we're believing for a, a lot of money. So we've also do this thing that we call we seal our financial circle. I'm training my kids to do that. And we make a covenant with the Lord that this is the level we're going to live at. So no matter how much money you put in our hands, we'll only live at this level that we've, you know, each individual person in our family can decide what the level that is. And it doesn't matter what the level is, as long as it's not ridiculous. You've got to stand before God and say, you know, are you happy with this, Lord? And then, therefore, after that point, the rest of the funding is for him wow. and for the kingdom of God. So, you know, and it sort of protects us a little bit from... I've noticed as I do more and more things and raise up in the business and into higher levels of finance, there's always something that you should have now. Mm-hmm. Like there's the next thing. And so many people get caught in that trap where they're, they're looking for the next thing, it's the bigger thing, it's the bigger house, the better boat, the better whatever. And a lot of the, the finance that's designated for the kingdom actually gets consumed by us just being distracted into the things that, that everybody else has. Mm. But we're serving a different system. We're mm. serving a system where we're here to honour the king. So I think as Christians, we've really got to be aware of, you know, what's the call on our life? What have you called me to do? And then putting things in place in our own lives that can guarantee or protect us from the distractions of this world. Mm. Because they're there. There's no question they're there. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're pretty proactive about making sure that we stay on that focus. The next generation stays on that focus and, we get to achieve what we've, we've been called to achieve. Awesome, mate. Well, it's so good to hear what God's doing in uh, Catherine in the Northern Territory. And I know we've got uh, Vision Christian Radio out there. Uh, is it uh, impacting the local community? Have you heard any stories? Oh, yeah, I have. So there's quite a few people that um, have it set uh, in their businesses or, or in their cars. So you know, a lot of people, a lot of Christian folk, because it can get a little bit dry up here, a lot of Christian folk certainly get blessed through listening to vision mm. uh, it's a really good tool mm. awesome mate well it's so good to hear what god's doing through king's farms if people want to find out more the website is kingsfarms.com.au thanks for joining us <laughs> thanks mate. bless you Zay. thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from vision christian media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au 